I mean, it's when you pull the plug on something like that, when you actually initiate, you know, say, getting I'm separated. Done. I'm ending this. Yes. Yeah, it changes your life in so many different aspects. It's oh. it goes there's so many strings. It is it's like not, a nuclear bomb that goes off. That yeah, because yeah. it's your friends, it's your acquaintances, everybody you knew together. Then it's like it just kind of physical living space. It's like I got rid of all my bedding. I was like Mm-mm, getting rid of this crap, and so everything yeah. my bedding is stuff that I have intentionally chosen for myself that has nothing to do like. Yeah, we you're were bang- talking about this time of year decluttering. So, like, yeah, I decluttered my marriage. And got rid of the excess. That's right. And getting like the name off the bank account, like you were saying, oh or off God. the car, and off yeah. the. It's like oh. every yeah. It's you just don't realize. And and my divorce, like, we did not have kids. There were more debts than there were assets. So, like on paper, mine could have been a lot cleaner and easier than it was. And. Yeah. Yeah. And I had to stop, I get to a point where I had stopped arguing with that and resisting. Cause I would tell friend, like, why can't I just be done already? Like, I, why can't we just like check these boxes and like me be free? Um, and it didn't work out that way. And me arguing, I spent a lot of time and energy arguing against whatever was happening until I just got to a point of exhaustion. But, yeah. It's almost like the ultimate lesson in like patience. <laughs> I had I had no patience, but you you're forced to have patience. There's nothing you can do. You can't speed They're up really, the process. There's no speeding it up. It's just it's gonna take whatever it's gonna take. Recording from my studio here in Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm a born and raised New Yorker now living in the South. Welcome to Confessions of a Financial Advisor the antidote to conventional financial independence wisdom. My name is Al. I've been a financial advisor for over 20 years. I've worked with thousands of clients in all areas of the country and from all walks of life. Through the relationships I had with these people, I've discovered the mindsets and behaviors that are most effective in a person's financial life, plus the pitfalls and all the BS to watch out for. The financial independence community today has completely lost its way. And I felt it was time to call out the FI gurus, podcasters, and self-proclaimed pundits. This podcast is not about the numbers. That's what all the other financial podcasts talk about. We will focus on the emotional and psychological components that drive our behavior. I am not looking for new clients and I'm not interested in running for any kind of office. I'm gonna tell you like it is from an insider's perspective and pull back the curtain on the financial industry. Now, let's get into Confessions of a Financial Advisor. Episode nine, divorce. I'm here with my partner in crime, Diane. Hi, Diane. Hi, Al. All right, it's divorce time. You know, this is one of my favorite topics. Yeah. It's a little strange how excited I am to talk about divorce. And I have mixed feelings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I kind of enjoy just like getting it out and like, yeah, I know, I know so many people will relate, mm. um, but it's a tough thing to talk about. It's a tough thing for me, at least to remember since mm. it's going back nine, 10 years for me. Mm-hmm. I, you're a little bit more recent, I think three years, you said? Uh, three, four? The official... My separation happened a little over four years ago. So a little yeah. over four years, yeah. Which is what I consider my freedom date. 
not the actual. The freedom date. Oh yes. my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> I took the whole month. Like, and cause my separation happened in November, the week before Thanksgiving. So yes, for the last four years, I have celebrated my freedom month every November. Every November. Mm-hmm. So it's good timing. Day after it's Christmas. Good timing. Yeah. All right. Thanksgiving <laughs> is my favorite holiday now. <laughs> <laughs> So we started talking about all of this. I think we... Because listeners what I, should know that we... Al and I have been talking for over an hour already. Like, <laughs> <laughs> this is how our conversations tend to go. Yeah. Um, yeah, we basically go through the whole podcast once over and then we then we record it the next time over. It. And then we end up talking afterward in most cases. Too. We do, <laughs> right? To re- <laughs> I have learned not to schedule you when I have another appointment. <laughs> I know <laughs> I do. I, I'm like watching the clock. I keep you so long. I know I do. <laughs> I do it. So we were talking about, so people think, at least from my, my perspective, this 10 years ago, mm-hmm. my married friends, once I got divorced, would look to me as like their they're vicariously through you live vicariously through me and almost like they wanted me to give them an excuse to get get divorced Uh, this is what i felt nobody came out and said that but no i kind of got this feeling you know they'd be asking me about what's it like dating short answer horrible yeah yeah and i think they had you know other divorced friends and of course, some people would be like, oh, it's the most amazing thing. I'm out there dating. I'm hooking up. I'm doing right. this. I'm doing that. It's amazing. There's a million different apps. I can meet a thousand different girls at the touch of a button. Yeah. And I would take the other side. I was like, listen, I'm like, if you're married, I'm like, freaking stay married, will you? Like, do, please do not get divorced unless you 100% think you need to. Mm-hmm. And it, until you're at that 100% mark where you're like, this has to happen. Don't do it. Right. Don't until do it. At, right. Yeah, I think they get, they get, they romanticize they the idea, glorified. Yes. Oh my God. Now, I truly am very joyfully divorced today, but the crap that I had to go through to get my freedom back from my ex husband, I don't recommend any of it. It was horrible, all of it. Yeah. Like, no, divorcing was not a pleasant experience for me at all. It's only been on the other side that I've really discovered a whole lot more joy, but the process was brutal. Can you think of a time before you were divorced where you met other divorced people? And I, at least I, I'm asking you this question because this is something I think about where there were people in my neighborhood when I was married mm-hmm. that I knew got divorced or were going through a divorce and I would mm-hmm. see them. They'd be like, yeah, you know, I'm going through a divorce. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. I had no clue in a million. I, all I thought it meant was like, they just weren't right together and they're splitting ways and And everything fantastic. was fine and it was easy and all you did was sign the paper. Yeah, I had yeah. no, thank God I had no idea what I was in for. Because if I had known what my d- divorce process was going to look like, I don't know that I would have started that journey. If I had known how long it was going to last, how contentious it was going to be, how long I was going to have to wait. Ugh. I, I don't know that I would have started the journey, honestly. Well, think about like when you get into an argument with someone, right? Maybe it'll last like a you know minutes to hours to like if you hold a grudge, days. Yeah. I mean, let's even extend it out. Maybe a couple of weeks, like you're, and then eventually it just you know you're thinking about something else. It dies down. You move on. You move on. It it's just over, right? That's in the past. Like with a divorce, it could go on years. Yeah. And so you could keep like regurgitating this 
anger. You're getting re-traumatized. I and mean, every time I had a whole divorce email folder. So my ex hired an attorney. I chose not to. Um, so I had a, in my email, everything was written communication with their side. And I, I had to bury the email folder because D was too high up in the alphabet. <laughs> like I need some, I can't look at this. It was stress inducing. Cause I'm like every email notification, I'm like, is this good work stuff or in prison or whatever, or is this divorce crap? Like it was ever present running in the background every single day for 15 and a half months. And, yeah. And your journey involved, you know, time in court and just, it just beats you down. It, it literally beats you down. And I was telling you, like in a long story short, I say that a lot just because I don't want to draw out like all the details of a story. But at the end of the court case, mm. um, three days in, judge finally just says that we're both going to have joint custody. We're going to stay here uh-huh. in Charlotte's. And my ex basically texted me or from what I can remember, like texted me and said, well, I know that you think that you won and congratulations, you won I'm or sure something along those lines. Happy you I'm, won. Sure, I'm sure you must be happy you won. Something along those lines. Yeah. And I literally, and I said in the text and I remember feeling like, whoa, that's so not what Dude, I'm thinking or feeling. feeling. Not even remotely close. <laughs> like I had no sense of victory. It was or an just empty an, victory. Just not even. I mean, it just, I just so, I was so happy that it was just over. Done. Just yeah. over relief, complete Total, relief. Yep. Like, my God, finally. I can like, fully can exhale on. and stop waiting for the next shoe to drop. It, yeah. That, that weird aspect of being in limbo when, like, you know something's coming, but you can't control how, you can't control when, and you can't control the collateral damage. Mm-hmm. You have to wait it out. Yep. It's like you're just on eggshells oh. for a long time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when you're a married person out there and you're considering the idea of possibly getting divorced because you see a friend of yours out on dating sites and running around and, you know, having fun, quote unquote, um, don't do it. I mean, I I, I literally, I've tried to convince a a few friends because for whatever reason, like I got divorced around the same time, many of my other friends, like within like a year or two, probably three or four of us got divorced. Yeah. It's not contagious. It's just interesting how <laughs> it like does it. work like that. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Yeah. You just don't know that. I think you described it, Diane, as like, it's a grieving process. It's a death. It so divorce is not failure. It is death. Death. On so many different levels. I had someone tell me, if somebody mentioned something about me handling grief and I'm like, yeah, I just am really good at it. Like it just comes up in conversations. I didn't anticipate that. And no, me neither. It is so comprehensive of an experience like the weight and the gravity and the the comprehensiveness of it are hard to explain to people that haven't walked through it um it's we've talked about the difference between knowing and understanding you you can know what divorce is like you're not legally married anymore but the experience of divorcing oh it is massive amounts of grief yeah, you would never know it. It's like you would never know. And, and it's, we're not exaggerating here. This isn't an exaggeration. You know, no. it's not hyperbole. It's not, you know, oh, it's death. No, no it feels like true. some <laughs> sort of, it feels it like feels. your insides are being ripped out mm. and you have to sit with that. So it's Danielle, not going to go away. Danielle Laporte is an author, writer, and a speaker. And in one of her books, I think it's called White Hot Truth, she talked about she's divorced. She described it as, having every one of your bones broken very slowly one at a time and then you're 
ribs are collapsed. And so your lungs are compressed. And like for a while, it gets really hard to breathe. It's excruciating. And I love that description of it. Yeah. Because it truly, that's yeah. what it felt like. Yeah. It's, oh, yeah. That feeling, that feeling. So I, I remember I, a couple of years ago, I had to put, I had a 14 year old dog. Oh, man, this is getting depressing. All right. So I put my dog down and I remember it was, it was the first time I ever had to do this. Mm. I've had dogs in my childhood, but my parents always made that right. decision and I was right. never around for it. But this is one I had to do. Like my dog couldn't get up and yeah. it was, we had to do it. And it was a dog I had since a puppy. It was like my boy, you know? Yeah. So that was one of the most gut-wrenching things ever. Mm-hmm. But I remember all the people before that, friends, family that had dogs that told mm-hmm. me about, you'd see it online, see it on Instagram. I had to oh, put yeah. my dog down. And I would feel like sad. Oh, that's sad, right? Yeah, like, oh man, I hate that you had to go through that. But mm-hmm. did I know even like, like the debt, like even remotely the depths of what they were going through. What the not, firsthand experience not even, like. But not no. even close. Like no. it'd be, even to say like I knew a little bit of it, I didn't. I didn't no. know any of it. It's one of those you things you it. don't until it's happening to you. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. It's, yeah. So divorce, I feel like it's the same sort of kind of comparison as that because mm-hmm. it is grief and it just goes on. Like at least for most people, it seems like it's never a short process at least in North Carolina, why do you have to spend the year separated? Is that how it works before you can officially get divorced? Oh, a year and a day. Yeah. A year and a day. Yeah. Uh-huh. I like that yeah. in North Carolina. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for because, <laughs> yeah, let's just draw this out even further. so much fun. I just really want to stay here. <laughs> <laughs> how about you stew in it for a year? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you and I talked about once we both kind of got through the other side, it wasn't this experience of like having really won anything. It was this like, Oh, just the sense of relief. Relief. Like, it yeah. wasn't like I got a trophy and I came out ahead. It that didn't come up for me anyway. At least it's like I'm just so glad to be done with it. Absolutely. I think a lot of people attach to the stories of you know blame, you know, blaming the other mm-hmm. person. Mm-hmm. So I have friends that are many years divorced and like just still have that kind of mentality of like They're still telling us what the ex did to me. Yeah. Yeah. What they did to me. It's always about like what they did and how they were. Mm-hmm. And I did that in the beginning. Like, so I did it for a little while. And then I think it was after that court case, after that like final release of like yeah. it's all over. I kind of was like at the point where I was so beaten down. I'm like, you know what? Now it's time to turn this shit around because I'm tired of living like this. Exactly. I've been angry for over a year. <laughs> I've been miserable for over a year. It's like you, you're beaten down so far that you're like, oh, let's you're just make this a happy such place. such an extreme range of emotions that, yeah, it's yeah. exhausting. Yeah, I'm like, I need a nap. It's March and I was actually single legally for the first time. I'm like... Yeah. Oh, but it was almost like anticlimactic for me because I'm standing in my kitchen holding the, the paper and I'm like, is it almost in disbelief? Like, is this really over? Like, this can't really be over because it was in the background every day for so long. You just get used to it. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, now what? Okay. Now I can, oh, I get to be happy now because she's <laughs> I get to choose what I want to do. I don't have to talk to you anymore. Yep. Yeah, I don't have to replay this in my mind over and over again. It's like I can kind of stop that broken record. Yeah, and that analogy of like the cup of dirt and water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so I think it's, I don't know if it's a Zen analogy or if a a Buddhist kind of, what do they call it, a koan? 
but they talk about like a, a cup of dirt and water and it's kind of like your mind. So if mm-hmm. you shake up that cup of dirt and water, it becomes very murky. Yep. And they say like, what's the best way to make, to, to make the water clear again? Yeah. yeah. It's like literally just put the cup down. Let it go. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, whoa, like you don't have to do anything. You don't have to like put a little skimmer through the water. Just, just put it down. Just put it's it It's really down. that simple. Let your Surrender. mind settle. Oh, damn it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so many times we think we need to like do something. Take an action or check off a list. It's like, just yeah. let it go. So counterintuitive, you know. Totally just counterintuitive. Don't, don't do anything. Don't pick it up. Yeah. But if I don't do anything, how does anything get done? <laughs> <laughs> how does the world keep going and spinning? Well, and we've talked so much about the stories that we tell ourselves. I love the story of your neighbor and the difference because there's kind of a, a juxtaposition between divorcing someone and truly being in a relationship where you're deeply appreciative of that other person. And it was an old neighbor that you had gotten to know. And I just love the difference and the stories we can choose to tell ourselves about an awful ex versus the example of someone telling a story in a happy partnership. Yes. Yeah. So I had this neighbor uh, a few years back that I became real good friends with. He was in his seventies. So I'm 46. He was in his seventies had all of his extended family living within like a five mile radius, Mm. very close family from Wisconsin. For whatever reason, I clicked with him. He clicked with me. He took me in as like his son. I'm telling you, it's something compatible. It was just one of those things. Like I'd go out on my back patio and our patios kind of like faced each other Mm -hmm. or were side by side, but we could see each other. So anytime I'd go outside with my dog, Bo, Mm -hmm. uh, he'd be like, Al, come over, you know, have some wine, you know? So like I'd go over pour some wine. He'd put like music on. He loved mm-hmm. listening to like Phil Collins and stuff like that. Oh. And like uh, Hotel California, the Eagles. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like it was literally the same music. I loved it though. And we'd have these cool conversations about like life, about you know the market, about whatever, you know, but it was just Deep like talking. With, yeah. yeah. And he had this, I don't know, I guess certain people you just click with, like he has, his temperament's very, very calm and like very cool and collected. Mm-hmm. Um, something about him, like it's just very easy to talk to. Yeah. You know, you never feel on edge at all around this guy. I just feel very comfortable. And he would tell this story about his wife. And w- her name was Mary, is Mary. Uh-huh. And, uh, like, you know, he'd always say, yeah, you know, I'm the luckiest guy. You know, I can't believe I actually met Mary when I did. You know, it's been the greatest thing in my life. And, hmm. you know, he'd say it always within you know, earshot. She was always in earshot of yeah. you know, him saying it. And, like, he wouldn't say it all the time, but he would say it. And I remember him saying it. And I remember him saying it multiple times. Mm. So I started to pick up on like, wow, I'm like they've been married 45 years. Mm. There's a reason behind this. I'm like, you know, yeah. I mean, I'm sure they get on each other's nerves. I'm sure like everything's not always peaches they and cream. They have differences of opinions. They have and... four kids. They have grandkids. They got all kinds of chaos going on. Like their life, you know, they're retired, but like it's still a chaotic life. And yeah. But he has this story, this reoccurring story that she's the greatest thing in his life and he's so lucky to have her. And I'm like, wow. Imagine that. that yeah. Yeah. The story could impact how smoothly or not relationships go. Or on the flip side of having the friends that are like, oh, freaking ball and chains, a pain in the ass, you know? And, right, exactly. Uh, yeah. You know, always on my nerves. Oh, she doesn't freaking leave it. <laughs> she doesn't Can't leave well enough alone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so you start to see like 
Oh, so that's the story of somebody that's unhappy that might be going down a bad path in their relationship. You can t- it comes through in their words. Like the way yeah. people speak about other people in their life, you can tell a lot by just the words that they use. Yeah, and you how can. They say them. Yeah. And so it's funny how you like learn these like weird little lessons. Like, so I saw that and then like I, I spun that into like something that I do with my daughter. Mm. Where like, you know, when I'm with my daughter, I make sure that like she hears me telling other people what a good kid I think she is. Yeah. 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 Because I mean, I I just always thought that was like a good thing because I want her to know what I think about her and not just me telling her. I want her to see me telling other people. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because if Mm -hmm. I'm telling her, maybe she'll think, well, it's my dad. My dad's supposed to say that. You're obligated. But she knows I don't have to say this to other people. That's true. Right? Right. So it's maybe a little bit of a different kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But, and like you said in the post, like this goes for all relationships. Oh, yeah. For kids. There's such a myriad of variety of relationships. And I was telling you the story, I met this very nice sales guy five years ago. I ended up standing in the electronics department getting hugged by this guy. I like literally had just met him. And I was making a purchase and I'm just like, oh, like, thanks for the hug. Merry Christmas. <laughs> and that's a story you'll be telling other people. And like, Dave like, was great at the Matthews Best Buy. I mean, <laughs> he's sharing this. People tell me shit. So then he's sharing with me his graduate thesis, which is related to the psychology of consumer behavior. I'm like, mm. can you imagine? <laughs> this is why I get a With hug. the chances. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, tell me more. <laughs> there's a, such a wide variety of relationships whether it's a short-term relationship or connection i mean or a more long longer term and ongoing relationship and so one of the theories that um we talked a little bit about briefly earlier was the concept of one plus one equals three mm. um and yeah. this is like i've done a tremendous amount of very uncomfortable internal work the last four and a half years um and it's been really it's been an enlightening time, but this one plus one equals three concept is that each person, doesn't matter what the relationship is, but each person can only be responsible for what they bring to the relationship. But then this third energy is the relationship and it's a living, breathing entity. And each person in the partnership has a responsibility to the relationship. And I I love that way of looking at it because it's just a different perspective. But you're saying that each person has a responsibility for themselves first. And then that third part is kind of, yeah. But I mean, you have to have put yourself, you have to make sure you're okay. You're taking care of yourself before. Yes. You know, because I think it's caring for something else. So I always heard it put, you know, that you, the relationship needs to be put first, but I like the way you're saying. No, I take the opposite perspective. No, I come first. And then whatever other relationships I have in my life. And both people need to have that shared kind of ideally, yeah. Ideally. And that's a conversation yeah. certainly I have with people. But yeah, it's just been interesting to shift my own internal stories. Like, well, what does constitute a healthy relationship? Mm. My marriage certainly wasn't one. Well, and then we, we talked a little bit about the romantic love thing, about oh. how people believe in this notion of star-crossed one, lovers. Two, right, yeah. Mm. Or mm. like, you know, you're my soulmate. You're the only one for me. And I'm going to find that one person. I knew that person was just the right. It was There's just, one individual person on the planet. It's such a load of crap that we sell to our children. 
And then we wonder why we're all in therapy. As well. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, look at the, the fairy tale crap stories we're telling to our kids. Yeah, they um, want to be a princess. And, princess and like have a five hour. And knight in shining armor is going to come save me. Yeah. Nice five hour wedding that costs 50 grand. And you get to be a the princess for five dead. hours. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't believe in that story. Um, that has not been my experience. It's just, it's statistically so illogical like to think that on the entire planet there is one person and unless and until you find that one person you're never going to be happy Mm. that's like setting ourselves up to fail no yeah or what if you're the person that's like i found that one person you're the person for me and And i finally found it leave or what if they die or well what what are you gonna do then like then you've lost your chance. <laughs> like, I don't buy that crap. Yeah. Yeah. We're like 10 years in the honeymoon's over. And now it's like, well, maybe that wasn't the right person. Let me find the Let right. Let me try person. again. Yeah. There's yeah. gotta be another one out there. Yeah. yeah. I made a mistake. Here's my one true. And that we've talked so much about looking outside of ourselves for whatever completion, whatever you want to call it, but it's that, endless searching and And that grass is greener kind of thing too uh, right it's which is just a recipe for severe dissatisfaction Mm -hmm. like thinking that whatever my opinion of dating apps is kind of abysmal but um but i've actually had it happen to me in interactions with men where they're physically interacting with me in person and then they're turning around and checking their phone and (laughs) and i'm like could you be present with me? Like I'm physically here in front of you and yeah. you're looking for the next best thing. It's like, that doesn't inspire a whole lot of trust in me. Mm. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, you want to look at somebody in the eye and have a conversation. Like the worst thing you can do is be like people looking down at their phone and then looking up at you and then glancing back at their phone and then look at it. I'm like, where's your loyalty? Where's the commitment? What are you committed to? And people are sometimes so afraid of committing to anything. Yeah, and when, and when you're the person talking and you mm-hmm. see somebody else doing that while you're talking, you're like, wow, he's fucking not listening. It feels and really disrespectful. why am I even talking anymore? Like, let me just right. stop talking until right. you're done with your phone. Right. And then we could have a conversation. Yeah, it's, you get that feel. I've had that feeling many times with friends. And everybody's distracted these days. Yeah. And it's rare that you have those conversations where somebody's just, you're dialed totally. in. yeah. And that was that neighbor for me. And I was like yes. that dialed in kind of feeling where like... Well, and you're still telling else. the story of your experience with your neighbor. And you I have know, a relationship with him. Like, so obviously, it was a meaningful connection to you. Right. Because I mean, the only thing... That's the thing. People want to feel heard. They want to feel yeah. important. You know, they want to feel loved. Loved and heard. I mean, that's kind of the whole premise of human interaction. You don't right. want to feel like somebody's looking over your shoulder. Mm-hmm. That they're looking for the next best thing. Or... You're just something to kill some time before they do something else or... Exactly. Yeah, that's a, that's the tough thing about like this whole... Well, again, we don't have to get into social media, but it's the distraction. Right. The more distraction there is, it seems like the less solid the relationships are in your life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It just is. It's just you can't build anything solid with anyone or have any kind of, you know, a relationship with integrity unless you're really connecting with somebody and you're not conveying that you're really not important and right. I have other things going on. You're not and a priority. Yeah. Hey, you're not a priority. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. There's so many different things with relationships. I mean, 
you and I talked a little bit about being divorced, you know, you almost get to a point of understanding why people stay married in some cases. Like it's just sometimes seems easier. Yeah. It's like the devil, you know, Yeah, it does. And I, I mean, I grew up with that. So my mom stayed married to my dad, in my opinion, for the sole reason of he made the money and she never was in really in the work world. I mean, she was that a crappy reason to be in any kind of I mean, relationship. The worst. And not only that, like obviously he knew it. And so took advantage oh, yeah. of the facts. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like you're not going anywhere. I can do whatever the hell I, I want. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So she wouldn't leave. And I remember being like 14 and like pleading with her to like, you got to leave. He treats you like shit. Mm-hmm. And so you need to leave. Mm-hmm. And she just couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. And that happens so, you know, that that's such a common story. It is. And now she's 80 and she's been with one man, was with man, one man her whole life. And it's a sad story to me. It's and so totally I th- sad. Yeah. And so this is where we go with this whole divorce thing. Cause like when, you know, you got divorced, I got divorced. I got divorced first. It, it's a stigma now, but it was so much more of a stigma Worse, back, you know, in the seventies or right. even further back. Right. But still, I mean, it's when you pull the plug on something like that, when you actually initiate, you know, say, getting I'm separated. Done, I'm ending this. Yes. Yeah. It changes your life in so many different aspects. It's, <sighs> it goes, there's so many strings. It is it's like not, a nuclear bomb that, goes off that yeah because yeah. it's your friends it's your acquaintances everybody you knew together then it's like it just kind of physical s- living space it's like i got rid of all my bedding i was like getting rid of this crap and so everything yeah. in my bedding is stuff that i have intentionally chosen for myself that has nothing to do like yeah we were bank- talking about this time of year decluttering so like yeah i decluttered my marriage and got rid of that <laughs> that's right so <laughs> getting like the name off the bank account like you were saying oh or off God. the car and off yeah. the it's like, oh, every, yeah, it's you just. You don't realize. And, and my divorce, like we did not have kids. There were more debts than there were assets. So like on paper, mine could have been a lot cleaner and easier than it was. And, yeah. Yeah. and I had to stop, I get to a point where I had stopped arguing with that and resisting. Because I would tell friends, like, why can't I just be done already? Like, I, why can't we just like check these boxes and like me be free. Um, and it didn't work out that way. And me arguing, I spent a lot of time and energy arguing against whatever was happening until I just got to a point of exhaustion. But. Yeah. It's almost like the ultimate lesson in like patience. <laughs> I had, I had no patience, but you you're forced to have patience. There's nothing you can do. It can't They're speed up really, the process. There's no speeding just, it up. It's just going to take whatever it's going to take. It is. Yeah. And so I, I think about all those relationships that I had while I was married that kind of broke apart. Yeah. And it, it's funny. It, it kind of, even 10 years removed, there's mm-hmm. still kind of like shock waves from that, that go out, you know, in different circles of people, like people that knew people that knew people that knew people. And then they like got divorced. Like six degrees of separation thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this is the, the city we live in is a very, very, very small town. Shockingly so sometimes and the bible belts and so there's another layer of judgments when it comes to divorce mm-hmm. oh like somehow you know well you must not have had enough faith in your relationship and i've heard those words specifically uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> i know yeah like my marriage cannot work it would not work if it wasn't for, for my faith. faith i've heard somebody actually say that in my presence knowing that i'd just gone through a divorce mm-hmm. 
And it took every ounce of strength in my body not to reach over and strangle him. But uh, uh-huh. I kept my shit together and didn't mm-hmm. do it. So stuff like that happens. And like, so you start dealing with all this like judgments. But I think a lot of it's also, you know, it's what you're conjuring up in your own minds. Oh, yeah. When it comes down to it, you eventually get to a point where like, you don't give a crap about it, any of it. What like, anyone else What does it, I mean, and there's, and you can't control it. So you start to realize, I can't control what anybody else thinks. No. And I remember the initial stages of being divorced where my ex was saying things to friends that we had in common. Right. And I knew that she was saying these things. And I was like, there's nothing I can do to change the mind of these people now. It's just now me trying to defend myself. Against a story that they've been told and just kind of blindly accepted. Right. But the silver lining of that was that that was really the, that was like, you know, the the forest fire that burned out all the dead wood. Like it was like that clear... That cleared out all the friends that were, you know, you, you weren't my friend anyway. I mean, obviously, if you're just going to believe one thing that my ex said about me, uh-huh. then, yeah. Then we, then we really were, our relationship really wasn't as strong as it seemed to be. And I love the forest fire imagery <laughs> that that evokes. So I, did I tell you about the candle that's called freshly signed divorce paper? There's like a candle that's a divorce-scented candle, supposedly. Divorce-scented candle. So I wrote about this forget when um and supposedly because i was looking it up online a friend had shared it with me and supposedly this candle has some floral scent to it and i took it i wrote it, i'm like oh hell no so what that scent of divorce actually smells like is the ashes of everything in your life was at one point familiar after it's been burned and incinerated it's that like smoky mm. intense like when you've been at a campfire it's like it gets into your clothes and you think you've gotten rid of it <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> i've never heard of that before uh-huh wow <laughs> so if, you're, if you know anyone divorcing and you want to get them to get up there is a candle that smells more like divorce <laughs> forest fire is a little more accurate in my experience <laughs> so I, I think we both have a different take on it like i think you co- you come more from i think the the viewpoint of like I'm happily divorced. Yes. I've never like thought about it that way. I've, I always thought that it's something that happens. Mm-hmm. I am happier now than I was back then. Yeah. I guess I, I just never put it in that, in those words. Mm-hmm. But when I look back on it, it was such a traumatic experience. Oh, totally. That it's something that it's hard for me to say that like I'm happily divorced. Like it's hard to use those words with it just because mm-hmm. it was just so like, Again, it was just like such a heavy time and such a like, ugh. And dark. Uh-huh. Yeah. And just like. And uncertain. Grueling. Yeah. yeah. Uncertain and grueling and sad. And so it's all the, all the emotions. Like you said, a grieving process. Lots of emotion. But again, looking back, like an important thing that I needed to happen. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't, it wasn't something. It's just, I think when people are married, they automatically think that people are divorced are just kind of trying to rationalize, you know, why they got divorced, mm-hmm. you know, well, yeah, explaining it away, but like deep down, you just didn't have the faith and the conviction like I do. And I don't think that's true. I think, I mean, now seeing so many people that are friends of mine that are divorced and so mm-hmm. many different reasons why mm-hmm. it just, it wouldn't make sense for those two people to be together. And in, in a lot of, right. yeah, it's just, you're just both butting heads and like, yeah. you're just going to spend the rest of your life hitting against each other until 
what? Like, until, what's the point? Until like, you die? I mean, that's just... Till the yeah. kids grow up? Until... Because why? It doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Why would you continue to torture yourself if it just really was a clear case of incompatibility? So then where does that come? So where does that guilt come from? <clears throat> Catholicism. <laughs> It's everywhere when you're recovering Catholic. Yeah. Everywhere. Yeah. Like as if somehow you failed, like somehow it's a reflection of you as an individual. And that's maybe why I've been so adamant about communicating and and explaining and calling myself even joyfully divorced. Because if I had only known how joyful and bright and pleasurable life could be, I would have ended the marriage way before I did. Mm. I could have saved myself a lot of years. Mm. It's like the polar opposite of the highlight reel, you know, like when you're mm-hmm. like admitting to people that you're going through a divorce and that, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, in some contexts, like the, the relationship just didn't work. Yeah. It's almost like in some ways, I'm not categorizing in this way, but like admitting defeat like that. No, this did this thing that I thought was going to work didn't work. Mm-hmm. And now we're splitting ways and we're going in a different direction. Right. I tried it. Uh, I didn't like it. So we're not doing that again. Yeah. Don't want to do that again. Yeah. I want to have a happy person. Yeah. I don't ever want to do marriage again. But yeah. yeah. But it's so deep rooted in those, at least for me. Well, even visually kind of, in marketing messages, think about it. Like we're sold this even visual perception of the happy family as including looking a certain way. And any deviation from that is looked at as somehow wrong or bad when that's not true. Yeah, or deeper than that. Like there's something wrong with you. Like there's a character flaw. You have a character flaw because you couldn't make this work. Because if you You had good character and you were morally at the level that I'm at, then you'd make, your faith would make this work. And Mm -hmm. it's sort of like, ah, that's such a a tough conversation to have. Um, Yeah. And I don't have those conversations with people that, you know, it's just not worth having. I mean, what's the points? And I'm the only member of my family of origin that is divorced. Or no, I'm not actually. I have one other um, family member who is divorced. And so they and I have fascinating conversations because we get it. Like we've both been through it. And with my other family members, I just, there's a level at which I can't, they can't go beyond. Like they get it that I'm not married anymore. They know my ex, they know why. <laughs> well, he's not here anymore. <laughs> he's not around. He's been photoshopped out of the picture. <laughs> oh my God. I understand that she's divorced. He's no longer at the table at the holidays. Okay. But they just, not having been through it, there are places that we can't go because yes. they can't follow me. Yeah. And they, in some way, I think they need to insulate themselves a little bit, mm-hmm. I, I think, just because it makes them, you know, it's almost a mirror. It's like, well, if you're divorced right. and it's okay right? and, and I'm married. Wait. Uh, well, wait, what if my marriage fails or what if we hit a rocky patch or yeah, whatever? Or, what, yeah. All the thoughts that they feel like everybody has had, I mean... I, I love when people say like, oh, I'd never thought about, you know, I've just always been with this one person. And it's been perfect and everything. Yeah, you never had one thought about maybe there wasn't the right person for you or maybe mm-hmm. there's a never better person. any doubt, right. Yeah, like it's almost like this thought crime kind of thing. It's like you can't have this thoughts. transgression, yeah. 
Yeah. And so like, I think we're like just putting that mirror up like here, look at those (laughs) thoughts that you were having. Right. Now you have to take a look. Remember that fight you had last night? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's totally, it makes people uncomfortable to some degree. And you know, it's been interesting for four years now to watch people's reactions because people immediately go, I'm so sorry. And like from the beginning, I'm looking at them in confusion. I'm like, why the hell are you sorry? Like I'm thrilled he's gone. I don't know. Why are you saying you're sorry that I'm divorcing. Like, it just didn't make any sense to me. Sorry, exactly. I'm so sorry. Uh, I'm not. Yeah. Yeah, I catch myself doing that sometimes, like, sorry, and then you're like, oh, no, congratulations, sorry. Well, I'll stop, especially (laughs) with women friends, I'll stop and ask, is it congratulations or I'm sorry? (laughs) Yeah, you got to feel it out. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) I got funny stories about what people would say to me. Like, so they weren't funny at the time. I was pissed at the time. Like they I, genuinely react as if someone's side. I'm like looking around like, what the hell are you reacting to? Yeah. I, I had a friend of mine. So I call him up. I was the best man in this wedding. And I tell him I'm getting divorced. Uh-huh. And he goes on this like, this, this storyline about him and his wife. Okay. When I met so-and-so, you know, it was like, you know, Al, it was like the first, you know, remember the first time you ate chocolate, but you didn't know what chocolate was? <laughs> And, you know, you got the chocolate in your mouth and it was so delicious, but you didn't know what it was. And it was just so amazing. That was, you know, what it was like when I got married. And I'm like, dude, I think I'm going to hang up the phone now. Uh, Sorry, I called you for (laughs) consoling. Yeah. Like it was like this. Wow. My marriage is so good. And someday you'll get there. Like that, that's always, uh, if, you ever, if you ever want to console somebody that's getting divorced or going through it, do not do don't tell, Don't talk to them about how solid your own marriage is. Yeah, yeah that happened multiple times, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I have the best marriage and I, that would never happen to me. Great, thanks Good for- Good for you, oh, I wasn't judging you. I'm just sharing my own life experience here. It's, you know- Right, I mean, yeah. Like I have what- cancer. Oh, well, I'm so <laughs> healthy and I'll never get cancer. Oh, well, thank you for that. Wow, good for you. <laughs> we don't need to be talking anymore. Yeah. So strange, yeah, it was such a strange kind of interaction, especially with somebody considered like friends. I don't even think they did it, you know, deliberately. It wasn't like this malicious kind of thing. Oh, no, no. It's just maybe they were uncomfortable and just came out the wrong way. Who knows? But mm. for whatever reason, I was like, do not say that. You know, just you say nothing, right? Just keep, just zip your lips. Just nod and go. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Just don't say that. Right? You know what the most common reaction I've heard, though, in, again, it's like four years of market research I've been doing. Um, oh, wait, I'm writing books about it. So... <laughs> The most common reaction I received is at some point, the other person saying, oh, me too. Me too. And, and that shifting and inviting a whole other level of conversation. Yeah. It's nice to like know that somebody is kind of, that's it going to like a this. sigh of relief. Like, oh. Oh, you know. Okay. Yeah. You, you know. It. Yeah. You get it. Please. It's like, thanks so for you understanding. you and I talked about like the the recognition of people who've grown up in the New York City metro area. It's like, it doesn't matter where we meet one another. Mm-hmm. It is this like silent recognition of like, oh, I see you. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, it's like that. It's, yeah. it's what being divorced and connected with other divorced people is like. It's like a band of brothers or sisters. Totally, or this club <laughs> that none of us, I don't think, ever would have intentionally chosen to join. But that's just how life worked out. And yet here we are. Yeah. Yeah. And that the idea, like you said, you'd never want to legally go through the act of no, getting I'm married again. Of any, I will never get legally married again. I'm open to 
committed relationship, but not legal marriage. Well, there's a couple of things I think about with this. So I, I think about the idea of now, is it just an outdated kind of system that we've Archaic just archaic system yeah that we're just uh-huh. continuing to do because yeah. way back in the day when we had to do stuff like this it was just to try to you know move along the biological process and there like make sure that benefit to it yeah uh, and now we just continue to do it and but it's not really fitting what we want or what we need mm-hmm. and that along with then that whole mixing that with that whole romantic, I love you, that love kind of soulmate thing where you're mm-hmm. saying like, there is this person that's, I'm going to be with the rest of my life that and I'm making these, yeah. making these infinite commitments to someone. Um, and we, we put such a romantic context on that. So we think that's a great oh. thing. Like when you find that one person, every you girl to them, wants a diamond on her left hand. That's oh right. My God. So diamond is my birthstone. So about a year ago, earlier this year, 2019, yeah. um, I divorced my own birthstone. <laughs> <laughs> I just decided, you know what? I'm over it. Cause I had, my diamonds were gorgeous. Cause I chose them and I do have good taste. Yeah. And just it was a hor- horrifying experience to sell them and they're mm. sold and marketed as a freaking investment. 25% is not a valid return on an investment and diamonds are actually not all that rare. So. Yeah. yeah. And just a month's salary. I, I just got to spend a month's salary. Right. I mean, that's what the whole diamond industry told me. Like there's a formula. Yeah. For it. Like that. It's just, that's really romantic. A month's salary. I'm like, wow, that's a lot of money. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> So yeah. I was thinking of the whole, I love, and this is coming from, man, like, I guess this is my own curiosity as a man. I think there's other men out there that think this and want to know what a woman's perspective. The idea of saying I love you to someone was always very uncomfortable to me. Mm-hmm. The idea of marriage and living with somebody for the rest of, committing for the rest of your life. Yeah. It, it didn't make, again, didn't make sense to me, but I felt like that was what society does. And yeah. I graduate college, expectation. I meet yep. someone, I get married, I have kids and I grow old and die. That's kind right. of the trajectory of my entire life. And yeah. I just kind of bought into it. I'm like, well, wait a second. Can I question that? Am I allowed to question that? No, you're not allowed to question that. Nope. That's it's what we do we here. do it. Yes, this is how it is. This yeah. Is how and I think a lot of guys get caught in that. And not yeah. just guys, women too. But I mean, I mean, I feel like for a lot of men, they just kind of go along with it. And it's just sort of like they get married. They yeah. don't really know why they're doing it. They just do it. Then here, they get here. their little beer here, gut. And then they start scooping crap out of the gutter on the weekends and like, you know, having mm-hmm. beers and watching football. And like, or that's not, just... as in the case of my ex. But yeah. Right. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> not participate doing anything. in yard work. No. Okay. No yard work. <laughs> no. But I think a lot of guys like, can relate to this where, again, I've always felt comfortable saying the words, I love you. My parents never said those words. I never felt that they didn't love me. I felt they did. Mm. They just didn't talk that way. Right. They didn't need to say it. And now it's like, that's the given. Like you have to say those words if you're in this type of relationship. Yeah. Um, And again, why would you say something that's not, doesn't feel truthful or doesn't feel not comfortable? Obviously you can say things that are uncomfortable, but it just didn't make sense to me. Like it didn't make sense. And the idea of marriage didn't make sense. Mm -hmm. It really didn't. Mm -hmm. And maybe it was seeing the way my parents were. Maybe it was seeing 
mm-hmm. you know, the 50% of all of them kind of going up in smoke. Mm-hmm. I, I, again, I don't want to be a pessimist when it comes to marriage, but I just, I don't get it. I don't like, see the point of it. Cause in my I'm trying my own life experience, the legal institution of marriage is in no way a reflection of the strength and depth and commitment the two people have with each other. Mm. It's just not an indication. It's not like a seal of approval. Like it's just, it's meaningless to me. So I just have no interest in it. And after, yeah. and, and there I'm standing in the register of deeds office recording the quick claim deed to get my ex's name off my house. Never once imagining, you know, in years past that I would be one day doing that. But what, in what I went through to get his name fully removed from me, it just wasn't worth it. And his well, name was on, so he, he, my ex was never on my home's mortgage ever, 12 years or eight years. So he lived here. Um, but he was on the deed simply because we were legally married. And I'm like, that feels like total BS, especially as a woman to be like, no, you get a right to half of my property just because we're married. Oh, hell no. (laughs) (laughs) I think some people would argue that, yeah, you could have two people that want to be together. They can look each other in the eye. They can make this commitment. They say, I'm all about you and you're all about me. And that's, this is between us. You don't need to project this to anybody. We don't need documents to do it. But then the arguments of that would be like, well, if you really are committed, then you need to do something to really show you're committed. And this by doing this paperwork and making yourself into this ironclad contract with the government really like shows that your it's commitment. It's really, really hard to get out of. Yeah. And who are you showing it to? Are you showing it? So then again, you're, you're doing it for the benefit of, you know, oh, your right. surroundings, everybody that's looking at you. So it's, right. again, right. it's, you're showing everybody. It's uh-huh. like the Instagram thing. Oh, yeah. I'm showing you. Look at me. Look, we're Get married. I got real. the paper. Mm. Look, the ring. Look at the diamond. Look how look, big it is. Look at the Look at the clarity. Yeah. <laughs> Don't get me started. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm currently buying myself, so I decided around my birthday this year. I'm like, I really want to. I've been without a ring on my left hand for a long time, and I decided I wanted to buy one for myself. And so I'm currently, I have friends out there that I've been telling for months um, that, yeah, I want a, a, it doesn't even have to be a sapphire, but I want some sort of blue gemstone ring for my diamond hand. Or, oh, yeah. look at that. That's just, yeah. I was, I was never one of the guys that like looked at somebody's hands. Like, hmm. yeah, I never noticed if somebody was wearing a wedding ring or wasn't. I notice it. Yeah, but women would always tell you, see, like that, that girl had a... I'm like, I didn't even notice. I'm like, yeah, I, I, noticed, I just never looked. I don't know. I notice whether a man is wearing a ring. Um, I don't know that I noticed it as much with women. But I mean, it's just a piece of jewelry. Yeah, I notice now. I think once it was pointed out to me that like you need to be looking at that, I'm like, all right, I guess I'll start looking for that. And I'm like, I didn't know I was supposed to. Like, <laughs> But yeah, it's that sign of it's showing the world. Like, mm. look, I am there. I am taken. I love the... That's a New York thing, wearing like the (laughs) the necklace that says taken. Look, I belong to this individual who's not me. It's like, oh, really? Do you know? Yeah. For people that aren't from New York, there were there. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of people that wear jewelry around their neck with a little label that says taken. Mm. Uh, That's a common thing. Mm. (laughs) So I know we were going to wrap this up with something financial, but we're not. Uh I mean, there's so much with the finances. Yeah. Guess what, everybody? Super expensive to get divorced. 
big oh, pain in the ass. It's a whole, just like the diamond is a big business. The whole, there's a whole industry around divorce and yeah. Blood just sucking. as weddings are a big business. So it was divorce. Yep. <laughs> it's like from that movie, The Money Pit, when the, <laughs> the lady's yep. walking around, she kept calling the lawyers blood-sucking lawyers. Yeah. And Tom Hanks is a lawyer. Yeah. Like, if it wasn't for those blood-sucking lawyers, <laughs> and he's like rolling yeah. his eyes because he's an attorney. <laughs> That's me. Yeah, it's just it, literally like every 15 minutes, you know, like they would send an email and I would get a bill for like 80 bucks for 15 minutes for an email. 80 so, bucks for an email. Like $80 for a freaking email. Let me email. I'll do it myself, please. I took such probably perverse pleasure in <laughs> typing emails to my ex-husband's attorney because I didn't have an attorney. I was representing myself. Yeah. But, um, but he had an attorney and I would be writing the drafts in the emails and I'm like, oh, go ahead, divorce a writer. Yeah. <laughs> the workout was going up and up and I'm like... That. You're going to pay for every damn word I'm writing in this email. So yes, from wow. the other side. Yeah. I was like, Diane, you could be a ghostwriter for divorcees. <laughs> That'd be amazing. They don't have to hire I an attorney could. to pay you. Just to pay like, me. I'll ghostwrite your email. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there's no benefit financially from divorce no. in any which way. It's emotionally sucky. Mm-hmm. It's financially sucky. It's just the whole thing is just... It's not fun, but when it is necessary, it is worth it on the it other is, side. Definitely agreed with that. Yeah, I agree with that totally. Um, there's no use living your entire life in misery. No, absolutely a not. stoic cow in the rain for the rest oh, of God. your life. That yeah. just sounds miserable. That image of just taking it. Yeah, just, well... No. Like you said, this, the Eeyore I, thing. I guess this is as good as it gets. Right where I'm supposed to be. <laughs> 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 you're not a tree damn it move yeah you don't have to stay planted. <laughs> you can make change in your life <sighs> oh well that wraps up our take on divorce yeah Hope you had liked a lot it. of fun with this very heavy topic but, yeah, yeah and we'll probably spend another half hour talking about it after yeah. after we hit <laughs> stop on the record button so we have a couple of posts for next week that we're thinking about combining but we might do separately we have, we're not sure yet so one is called the root of all evil. Mm. And we all know what that is, right? Money's the root of all evil. Let's see, always Must hear that be. growing up. And then our other post is called the self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm-hmm. And we're thinking they, they kind of relate, so we might combine them, but we'll we'll see how that works out for next week. That comes um, back to the story. The story we tell ourselves, right? Yeah, is, what story is, are we telling ourselves? Is it the root of all evil? Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe not. Well, Diane, it's been great again. Always a pleasure. Yeah, and we'll do it again next week. Please come follow us, faconfessions.com. Subscribe, like, review. Share. Yeah, share, all all that stuff. Instagram, YouTube. All right, everyone. Well, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Take care. Happy New Year. Bye.